You're listening to the Health Coach Careers Podcast, brought to you by Wellpreneur. Learn what it's really like to be a health coach in these interviews with real, successful health coaches. These interviews originally aired on the Wellpreneur Podcast, and they're hosted by me, Wellpreneur founder, Amanda Cook. I hope they give you inspiration and insight into planning your own health coaching career. Are you thinking about becoming a health coach? I know it's a big decision. I know I had a lot of questions, fears, and excitement when I took the leap to become a health coach while I was still working full-time. That's why I've created a free health coach decision kit to help you decide if it's the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. Thanks for being here with me to learn how we can grow our wellness businesses and spread health and wellness throughout the world, which is what we all want, right? That's why we got into this business in the first place. This interview today with coach Julie Santiago is really thought-provoking. So I actually came across Julie in one of the Facebook groups that we're in together, actually within the IIN Institute for Integrative Nutrition group, because we both are IIN graduates. And Julie had been sharing her story in that group about how within the first year of her health coaching business, she was really successful and got to almost six figures in revenue for her business. But something in her gut was telling her it just wasn't right. Like she left her corporate job to go start this business to do health coaching because that was supposed to be her dream and it just wasn't right. Right. So she stopped everything and recreated a new type of coaching business that felt much more authentic and wasn't burning her out and was working at a much more sustainable pace. And what I love about this interview with Julie, besides the fact that she's sharing with us her journey, and I, I think it's always really helpful to see other people that have actually gone through what we're trying to do, right? But aside from her just sharing her story, she's really brave and talks a lot about fearlessness and just following your gut and taking those leaps of faith in your business to create the kind of business that that you really want in the world. And ultimately, that's what we want. We don't want to be stuck in a job of our own creation that we hate. We want to bring our unique strengths into our, our business and our, our practices ourselves. So I know for me, talking to Julie was very grounding and had a lot of powerful messages in it that I think kind of brought me back to the core of what I'm doing. And I hope it'll do the same for you. So remember, you can always get all of the links that we talk about in the show back in the show notes on my website, which is wellpreneuronline.com slash 36. And now let's jump into this interview with Julie Santiago. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, Amanda. I'm so happy to be here. Just before I started recording, we started getting into this really interesting conversation. I'm sorry, everyone. I hadn't hit the record button fast enough, but I actually found Julie in one of the Facebook groups that we're in together. And she was sharing about how she grew her business, her coaching business, really quickly to the point where she completely burnt herself out and then basically started over and built a much more sustainable business. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to have Julie on. So um, yeah, we were just sharing about how important it is to actually see these real stories of entrepreneurs that are having a successful coaching practice because, you know, it can get lonely out there when you're just running your business on your own. 
Yeah. And I think one thing that, you know, that, that we had been talking about that I believe to be so true is that time old thing that we are the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. And I know that for me, when I was working, I worked in a you know very corporate job. I had a, I worked on Wall Street. You know, I remember looking around and being like, oh, God, th- these aren't the five people that I want to be the most like. And I think what's really beautiful about the way that holistic entrepreneurs can live in the world now is we can choose to be connected to people who are living in the way that we desire to live. We can be constantly reminded that there is a different way and that it's possible. And we just have to choose to find those people. And it's great because we don't even need to be in the same location. It's really finding other people that share your lifestyle and your values, no matter where they are. So we do that across Facebook. We do that in this podcast and other podcasts. That's so awesome to me because I was in a similar situation in my corporate job and I didn't know any entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And now, since really dedicating myself full time to this business, I'd say almost all my friends are entrepreneurs. And it's just amazing to to make that shift and surround yourself with those people. Yeah, it's like when you open your eyes to what it is that you desire, all of a sudden it, it shows up. It shows up in in everything that you do. When you're not seeking it, when you don't know what's out there, you don't see it. But the second that you say yes, yes to your path, yes to what you're doing, the right people show up at the right time. And I know I've experienced that and I know you have too and so have your listeners. Awesome. So tell us about your first business and what happened to bring you to the point where you knew you had to change. Yeah. So I quit my Wall Street job two years ago. Two years ago this month, I was six months into studying at Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I had I had thought I had found my path and I was meant to be this, you know, kind of holistic entrepreneur. And and so I quit my job two years ago and really began to build my health coaching practice in January of last year. So about a year and a half ago. And I did it well. I had a wait list of clients. I I had made almost six figures in my first year of practice after this corporate job. But I say that I had become a Wall Street version of a life coach, of a health coach. You know, I can strong arm anything really well. And I think most women can. We can get a lot done. We put our heads down. We do what needs to get done. And sometimes that can happen at the expense of our authenticity in our own path. There's just as much ego in the coaching world as there is in the Wall Street world. There's just as much fear. And um, what I found is that despite having built a, a really strong business in my first year of practice, something still felt off. I still had this nagging feeling that I had when I worked on Wall Street that there was something more that I had kind of done what I thought I was supposed to do in the health coaching world, but that wasn't it wasn't it. Isn't that hard to admit? I mean, after you've made that big leap and you've told everyone you're quitting your career and you're starting this new business and then you're supposed to be and what you plan to be was totally happy, right? What you were creating in your new job and then to realize you're not. That that must have been really hard to to tell people about and to be honest with yourself about even. Thank you. You just nailed it. I mean, because the thing about it was, you know, the business I had created was more in line with who I was for sure. But there was still something that was off. I was working all the time. I was spending too much time inside. I had a really hard time finding my voice and my message. And it was a really scary thing to think that, wow, I've built this business over this past year and something's not right. And I might have to burn down this nest all over again. That's really brave to do that, especially if you're actually making 
a really, you know, a decent income your first year out. And I just like to say, go you for making almost six figures your first year. I think that's fantastic. And that's something that, you know, doesn't happen to most coaches, actually. And I know we don't want to recreate that kind of business because it's not sustainable. But I'm just curious, like for your first year out, what do you think? Because you see so many coaches that hardly make any money their first year out. Although it's not a sustainable thing, what do you think, what was it that you did that actually made it work? Well, I think what made it work, I think what made my business work round one and what has made it work now that it is even more aligned, there's four things. And the first one is vulnerability, really sharing your story and opening yourself up. So there's a piece around vulnerability. And the second thing that ties into vulnerability is authenticity. So like people don't want to see you as this perfect person. It's not real. You think about the people that you identify most with in the world. It's not the person who looks like they have it all together. It's the person that's sharing their struggles and sharing their journey because they feel real and they're relatable. So vulnerability and authenticity, I think, are the cornerstone of what worked for me and what continue to work for me. And I think what prevents us from being authentic and being vulnerable is our own lack of confidence, which is kind of number three on the list. It's finding your own confidence, remembering that it's not your job to produce results for your clients. We get so caught up in thinking that we have to fix things, but it's actually our clients' jobs to produce results. And our job is merely to believe in them, to open up doors and inspire them, and to hold them accountable. So this confidence in your own ability just to hold space and to hold up a mirror, knowing that the right people are showing up to you at the right time for some reason. So vulnerability, authenticity, confidence. And then the last thing is fearlessness, which is all about trusting, trusting yourself, trusting your path, really knowing that you're here for a reason, kind of going after listening to the voices in your head, these little you know, heart whispers and hunches in believing that they're there for a reason and going after them and following them even when they don't make sense. There's a level of fearness, fearlessness that you have to have, fierceness. Thank you for sharing that. I really want to dive into this whole idea of fearlessness and trust and everything in, in just a couple minutes. But I'm really curious, like what, what was the stuff that you were doing that I mean, you said you were just stuck behind your computer and really burning yourself out. I mean, what were you doing that was just that was just not working? Were you just constantly just marketing yourself all day? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I was spinning my wheels a lot. I mean, I think there's like a level of when we begin our businesses, there's like very practical things that we have to do, you know, things like creating emails and maybe figuring out a website and email marketing and, you know, Facebook marketing and all these things. But What I found, at least at the beginning of my business, is I was doing the things that I felt like I needed to do. I was spending a lot of time kind of in the compare and despair mode. You mean like going on, so you go on Facebook and you see what everybody else is doing and then you start feeling bad about yourself because... Stop. I can't tell you the amount of hours. And this, I hear this so often from a lot of the female entrepreneurs that I now work with. It's this like, I'm, I'm not good enough. It's like we, we go, we go to the websites to be inspired by people, right? Maybe our, our mentors, people that we seek to emulate. And then we get lost in this. I'm not good enough. We spend so much time, I think, trying to figure out how to do it right and not enough time paying attention to why it is that we're actually unique and special. Yeah, I've noticed with myself, I don't know, when was it? Sometime last year, I started really tuning into my feelings and like kind of my gut 
since when I was on social media. And I noticed that the majority of the time I was on Facebook, like it just didn't feel good. Yeah. And I realized that it's that syndrome. It's that, you know, at first you see some things from your friends and you're excited about them. And then you get into that whole, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. And it just, and not even that dramatic. I mean, it wasn't sending me into a depressive spiral, but just that little nagging, feeling in your gut about making you not feel good about yourself. And so now I have this real awareness when I'm on social media. And if I start feeling that at all, I just shut it down and Mm. do something else because it's, it's completely counterproductive and just distracts you from creating, which is what we really need to be doing in our businesses. I love that. I love that you said that you're able to just, you you feel it, you know, there's, because there is always a shift. Like there's something you're like, okay, I'm inspired. And then there's like this, there's a clicking point where you're like, Mm-mm, this isn't productive anymore. Mm-hmm. There are certain days I know that if I get on Facebook and if I'm not feeling maybe as confident or as strong, I can't look at my newsfeed. I can post and I can share inspiration, but there's some days I won't even look at anyone else. There's some groups that I, that I won't go into. There are certain people's websites who I can look at and be inspired by. And then there's other ones that I immediately go into compare mode. And so I don't look at them anymore. So it's, I love that you said that it's just about awareness, noticing when it is that you feel like you're contracting and shutting down and not doing those things, choosing not to allow yourself to feel inferior. So for everybody listening, I think that should be your little takeaway tip or your homework from this episode this week is to figure out where that shows in your body. If it's like the clenching in your gut or tightness in your chest or tightness in your neck or, you know, whatever it is for you and just start to be aware of what's triggering that. Because I noticed for me that that's really reduced my stress and helped me feel a lot more confident in in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get back to the rest of your story. So you had this really successful health coaching business, but you just didn't feel like it was right. Exactly. Because there were certain parts of it that that worked, that were working for me that I loved. And there were also certain parts of it that I felt like I had just kind of followed this cookie cutter path and that I wasn't really being expressed. There were all of these parts of me that were were calling out to me and that I felt like were just a little too weird to share with other people. And so I just put them aside. We all have those, don't we? Little weird bits. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Okay. And I think what, what shifted for me and what I really want to, what I would love to share with your listeners and with you is those weird parts are what are going to attract the right clients to you. They're, it's actually the parts of ourselves that we spend so much time trying to hide the parts of us that we're embarrassed by, that, that, that trigger us, that maybe cause us to be a little insecure, they're actually the most authentic parts about us that make us unique. And the more authentic you are, the more quirky and weird and special you are, the more you show those parts of you that you're trying to hide, the more the right people are attracted to you and the more that you can build this really authentic, aligned business. And that's what shifted for me, you know, nine, 10 months ago when my business changed. I think that's really powerful just to think about what are those bits that we're trying to, you know, smooth over and and hide from everyone. And maybe that's, we need to have the courage to bring those up front. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what shifted in your business then? What kind of things have changed in this, you know, Julie (laughs) 2.0? (laughs) I love that. 
you know, for me, I realized that some of the parts that I was hiding, you know, just to give you an idea, like I didn't want to have a practice that was just over the phone. I really was missing this kind of felt embodied experience with people. I have a really, really deep spiritual side. Part of my role wasn't just about health or just about business. It was actually about, you know, healthy eating and, you know, the power of breathing and yoga and sunshine and outdoors and this deeper spiritual priestess work that I do and working intuitively. All of these parts of me that I had compartmentalized for so long, I just started playing with the idea of, well, what would happen if I combined them all? What if what actually works for me in my own life is what I meant to share with other women. And I so that's what happened. I stopped compart I stopped thinking of myself as just this or just that. I began to own all these parts of me and then realize that what made me unique and what was going to attract the right people to me was sharing it all. And then when you went through that change, there must have been a real transition period of, you know, you have to change your website and you have to change your branding and your packaging. And then also you have to communicate to your audience, right? Can you kind of talk a bit about how you did that shift in your business? Yeah. So for me, the shift really began in October. And what I had to do for myself was I had to press the pause button. You know, so often I think we we build our lives in such a way that we can't slow down long enough to hear the messages that want to come through. And so that was the first step for me. I had to arrange my business, you know, save enough money, see enough clients to where I could actually press pause for three months and listen deeply. So I did, I did the bare minimum. You know, I, I made enough money to pay my bills. And then I slowed down and I started listening to, to this voice. And what I began to realize is that part of my journey for my audience was to share this journey and not all the itty gritty details, but like live from a place of inspiration by living my own life and sharing my own lessons. There was a really, really great quote that I loved that I was that I that kind of lived my life by Mary Oliver. And she says, instructions for living a life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. And so I feel like our roles as coaches is to live our lives as authentically as possible and to teach other people through those lessons. And so that's kind of the way I began to remarket and to rebrand all of those things. It was like, hey, something's missing. This is what's going on. This is where I am. This is part of my journey. So I began to share my lessons with other people during this journey. What I like about your answer is that it's not like some big, huge marketing strategy, right? It's just literally being authentic and taking people on that journey because it goes into your philosophy, I guess, of if these are the right customers for you, if these are the right potential clients, if they want to be part of your tribe, they're going to resonate with that journey. And if they don't, that's okay because they'll go somewhere else. You're exactly right. And that ties into that. There's two things here. One, you have to be okay with not knowing, right? And that's a really, really hard thing for most of us. Like I was okay saying, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next, but I know there is this journey that I'm on and I trust that more will be revealed. And so all I can do is take these baby steps, the next obvious step in front of me, keep moving and keep my eyes open for signs and for redirections all along the way. 
I trusted there was a bigger plan, even though I might not have been able to connect it all at the time. Can we just say about that, though? Because that's terrifying. You know what I mean? I mean, that's really a leap of faith. And I completely agree that that's something you need to do. Something that you'd written in one of the first, you know, when we were kind of conversing by email about doing this interview, you quoted Steve Jobs and you you gave Mm. the quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. I just think if we all kind of look back at our lives, we know that's true. Like you can see now the path that you followed to get where you are, but 10 years ago, you had no idea. But I think being where we are today and having that trust going forward, it's so necessary, but it's so hard. How do you make that leap of faith? That quote gives me chills every time I hear it, because to me, there's nothing, nothing more true in life. And it is really easy to look back and understand it. But when you're in it, it's a lot harder to live from. You know, something that's just like very, very soothing and very empowering is to make a list of all the times that you didn't know how things were going to end up, but they worked out. You begin to train your your brain in some ways to remember that even though it felt uncomfortable, it was actually safe. So like if you can begin to think back at really big pivot points in your life and begin to you begin to connect the dots now to remind yourself that, wow, yeah, I kind of have always been protected and and held and things have worked out. And so that's kind of like one thing that is a really nice way to do it, or at least to start to build courage. And the second thing is to find people who are doing what you're doing. Find people who have what you want and trust that if they can have it, you can have it. Begin to listen to those people anytime the voices of fear come up. Find the people who inspire you, who have broken out of the box, who have faced their fears, who have, you know, dived afraid. And notice the people who land on their two feet. It's the ones who take the biggest risk always. So it's kind of a combination of these two things, of finding this inspiration outside of you, And then also remembering that you've always been okay, too, looking back and seeing how things connect. I hope that that's something that I try to embody, and I am sure a lot of listeners do, too, is just to have that sense of trust and, yeah, and and just bring your authentic self into your business. So I'm wondering, can you talk a little bit about kind of how you wrote that, that really when you're sharing like your insecurities and your imperfections, that's what's drawing the right clients to you. Mm-hmm. And that the sooner that you share your message, the sooner they can find you. So it sounds like you're saying that really to accelerate your success or to really start to step into the business that you're supposed to have, you really just need to do the work of, of putting yourself out there and, and stop <laughs> stressing out about all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's the piece about putting yourself out there. And before that happens, I think a lot of us, at least for me, I don't know if you were like this too, Amanda, but at the beginning of this journey, I really wasn't sure what my story was or why I was special. There were, when I began to open my eyes, like you said, you know, when we worked in these corporate jobs, we had no idea there were as many amazing, you know, holistic entrepreneurs and coaches as there were. And then once you kind of get into the world, it's like, oh my gosh, everybody's doing this. Why am I special? Did you ever have that voice? Oh yeah. Right. Cause in first in the corporate world, you feel like, oh, I'm really different than everybody else. And then you get over here and you realize, oh my gosh, there's a thousand health coaches, right. no, a million health coaches. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. So why would people come to me? Why am exactly. I exactly? What do I have to give? What do I know? Those are a lot of stories we beat ourselves up. Like, wh- what do I know? Why am I special? Why me? 
So I think like the very first part around like this living authentically and living vulnerably and being fearless and putting yourself out there is beginning to own your own story and write your own story. So what is it that makes you come alive? What is it that makes you kind of quirky and and weird? You know, one thing that's awesome to do is to reach out to people that you trust. What is it that you love about me? Begin to think and see and notice when you light up. Because when you come alive, when you light up, that's the juice around what it is that you're really here to do. And the funny part about it is it's usually the things that we're desperately trying to hide. And so there's this piece around remembering that you are so unique and remembering that you're so authentic. Like you wouldn't be put on this world right now at this time doing this work if if you weren't here for something special. And as you begin to step more into who you are, the right people show up because they're attracted to you. Yes, there are thousands of coaches out there and there are millions of clients. What's going to attract one person to me versus you versus someone else is something that resonates with them in my specific story and my personality and the way that I move through the world. So the sooner that we can begin to just own who we are and what we do, the right people show up for us. It no longer is about forcing or about marketing or manipulating. It's just like it becomes about attraction. Yeah, it's what I needed to hear now and and kind of bring me back to that point inside myself. And I think it'll do the same for a lot of people listening. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Because I know we didn't quite get around to everything. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell everyone before we close? I think if I could share one thing, it would be um, the power of taking baby steps. Oftentimes we can get so overwhelmed in getting from where we are to where we desire to be that we get paralyzed. And what is so important is just to keep moving forward. Even if things don't make perfect sense, can you take the next right action, the next obvious step in front of you and trust that the dots in your steps will connect and eventually you'll look back and be amazed by how far you've come. But the key is just taking the next obvious step in front of you. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And it doesn't have to be pretty. You just have to keep saying yes. Awesome. So if people want to get in touch with you and learn more or work with you or just ask about your journey, where can they find you? Mm -hmm. You can find me on my website, which is juliesantiago.com. I have um, an, an awesome fear fighter manifesto. That's a 33 page workbook. It's a roadmap kind of back to your heart to help you break through fears when you feel like you get stuck. So that's an awesome tool on the website, but juliesantiago.com. Thanks so much, Julie. Thank you for everything, Amanda. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Health Coach Careers Podcast. If you're thinking about becoming a health coach, don't forget to download my free Health Coach Decision Kit to help you decide if health coaching is the right next step for you. Download the decision kit at wellpreneur.com slash decision kit.